Hello! Welcome to Center Saint Sister. This is a space where spirited, hurting, searching, faithful people come together and ask hard questions and listen to some really wise people share about how they have lived life deeply. If this episode spoke to you, I hope that you leave a review and subscribe. You can visit YouTube slash Allison Sullivan for some really fun extras. I hope you hear something today that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. This story probably falls into the overshare category. Right after I had our last baby, I walked into my bathroom and I saw maxi pads stuck all over my window. There were like 20 of them. I called the biggest two into the bathroom and they proudly exclaimed, Mommy, we found airplanes and they're sticky. My daughter had two hanging off the side of her head like earrings and my son had them as elbow pads and knee pads. I have a point. It is this. If you don't know what something is, if you don't identify it correctly, then all you can do is misuse it. The Greek word translated as masterpiece is poema, which means a work made by God. And we derive our English word poem from this word, so I think it's kind of fun to think of myself as God's beautiful poem. I think you should too. Masterpieces, poems, they are well thought out. They don't happen on accident. They are on purpose. I am not by chance or on accident. I was divinely inspired. You were divinely inspired. And God has decided that this little slice of history, his story, is the part that needed you and your gifts in it. These 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years is the tiny slice that's suited for you to be alive, swinging the world by its tail with your special talents and gifts. God decided that there was no better time for you to be born with your unique gifts and talents and skills and personality written out perfectly in his poem. You're perfect the way that you're crafted, the way that you are written. Back to maxi pads. If you don't know what something is, if you don't identify it correctly, then all you can do is misuse it. This might sound obvious or trite, but you are remarkably special. And if you don't see yourself that way, kind of like mistaking a maxi pad for an earring. Same, same. Motherhood is glorious and hard and glorious and hard. It's exciting. It's mundane. It's refining and healing and revealing. It makes me holier. It makes me lose my mind. My kids, they push me to my furthest edge and then they pull me right back in multiple times a day. I had a moment in my young motherhood where it became very obvious that I needed some hobbies or something. It went like this. We had four kids, four and under, and so taking them places was sometimes a challenge. I mean, getting them into the car required a certain amount of athleticism, but the grocery store, doctor's appointments, church, all required grit. Well, there was this one Sunday for church that we bribed them with Chuck E. Cheese afterwards in exchange for their excellent behavior, of course. Short version, it didn't work. Long version, Blaze got in a meowing contest with another kid. Amelia got stuck under the pew, and Silas laughed at the person singing the responsorial psalm. And in his best four-year-old kid whisper that isn't a whisper at all, said, Welp, she tried her best. As we were leaving and we broke the news to the kids that we would not be going to Chuck E. Cheese, I realized something. Something very, very sad. I realized that I really wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese. 
little kids had totally ruined it for me. I really like skee-ball and cheese pizza. And that little production they put on might be the closest I got to live entertainment in a while. I mean, this could have been a nice night out on the town. But no. I got into the car and I angrily clicked my seatbelt and I wondered what had become of me. Hot tears stung my eyes. And it was then that I knew. As much as I adored my kids and cherished the gift of motherhood, as much purpose-giving honor my motherhood gave my life, I knew that I needed to remember. I needed to remember who I was and what I loved, how I was written. I needed to remember in order to believe that I hadn't lost myself like maybe I feared. I was just buried under some goldfish, diapers, Spider-Man costumes, princess dresses. That's okay. A Bob the Builder excavation might be in order, but that was okay. Yes, we can. Friends, there is something that when you do it, it makes you feel alive. Is it music? Is it dance? Is it playing with numbers or solving a problem, exploring the woods, reading a book, holding a baby? Is it cooking something delicious or writing something you like, taking a picture, leading a meeting? That thing that we can't name except to call it an inner tug, an inner tug that lets us know for certain that there is more to this life. Where do you feel it? Wherever it is, do it and look for God there. However your poem was written, it is so, so beautiful. There is someone in my life who lives this out in neon. Jen Fulweiler is nurturing a family, raising young people into disciples, and pursuing dreams like it's her job. Because it is. I can't wait for you to hear from this Wonder Woman who wants us all to know that there is a flame within us burning bright. Worthy is the self-help book for Christians who are tired of the mediocre swipe right and left style of dating, who want to change their dating standard and create a bold, fearless life full of passion and purpose. It doesn't matter if you're a high school girl, someone's grandma, or any age in between, Worthy is designed for you. In a vulnerable yet witty how-to guide, Clarissa Christensen takes you down her own path that led to the rock bottom of bad dates, low self-worth, and an unfulfilled life overrun by depression and anxiety. In these 13 easy-to-read chapters, you will learn how to identify and overcome the insecurities that are holding you back, establish a dating standard you love, grow a supportive friend tribe, dive deeper into your relationship with God, live unapologetically. By the end, you'll learn who you are and what you want out of life and how to get it. Head to her website, igniteyourworth.com to purchase your copy today or even request a signed copy. Hello, Jen Fulweiler. I am so excited to have you on the show. You are a stand-up comic. You are a best-selling author. You're a mom of six, and so many people know you um, as a serious XM talk show host. Um, more people might know you from your books, which have won so many awards and accolades, like maybe minus the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, like literally, <laughs> this is like Amazon Top 25. This is um, Wall Street Journal bestseller. So many accolades. One of them got you on the Today Show. So exciting. Um and then a lot of us know you because of your recent endeavors of stand-up comedy, because you quit your 
talk show host stable job in the middle of a pandemic as one does. <laughs> and you started your very own podcast and you dove headfirst into stand-up comedy. So very exciting. All of these things are getting major accolades as well. There's still time for the Nobel Peace Prize, I suppose. Yes. You're young. Um, but I'm just, it's, this is such an honor. I'm so excited to have you on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I'm a huge fan of yours. So this is very exciting. <laughs> um, okay. So one way that I have people introduce themselves a little bit to listeners is to tell us something um, that you love. Tell us a little bit about who and what you love. Oh, who and what I love just in general in, in life? In general. You in general. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I say in my comedy set that I love drinking alone, but I think that you're <laughs> trying to get me to go a different direction here. Um, Listen, Jen, I, this is your episode. You go wherever the yeah, heck you want. Yeah, I love sitting in my garage and just, you know, having a drink and watching TikToks. To be honest, it's probably right. my greatest yes. love in life. Next thing you know, four hours have gone right by. Yeah. And, and, well, and, and I say, like, the great thing about my lifestyle is no one judges me for it. You know, I mean, uh, I've got six kids. We live in a 1900 square foot, three bedroom uh -huh. house. Mm -hmm. when, when when I was single and I did that, people would be like, that is dangerous. You need to get that under oh. control. Now mm. people are like, that's self-care. That makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> so, uh, it's all about perspective. That's fantastic. Okay. I love, I just, my big thing is I love keeping life really wild and interesting mm -hmm. with my family. There's this false yeah. dichotomy in our culture that you have to be boring the moment you have children yeah. in order, especially if you want to be a good parent, We yeah. especially mothers. We yeah. associate good mothers with boring. And that's we yeah. don't even realize we think that, but we do. And that was one of the reasons when I was younger, I didn't want to have kids. And that was true for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But one of them was just, I was like, well, I can't have a boring life. I'm just not wired that way. I can't do it. So I thought I didn't want kids. But what I've realized is life is so much more fun and interesting when you do it with your squad, when you do it yes. with your family. I know you know that yeah. from all the fun stuff you guys do. And so I would say that is just really, it makes me come alive. It's such a love to combine doing risky, crazy, interesting things. Yeah. With my six kids, with my husband, with bring my mom involved, you yeah. know, just, I, I, it, it just makes me come alive to live like that. I have chills listening because you model it so well. And I couldn't agree more that like, I, I think that there is this perception that somehow good motherhood is this really selfless endeavor. Now, don't get me wrong. I have donated myself a lot. However, I think my healthiest maternal self is one that is self-full. You know, right. it's where I have really invested in the things that make me more me, and then I can pour out so much more because of it. And then bringing people along. How fun is that? I love seeing your well, kids at your shows. And, and, you know, I would also add that. Uh, so one of the things I talk about is having a blue flame. Mm -hmm. And that is that's a God given gift that you are meant to use and share with the world. And it gives you energy when yes. you do it. it. It could be something that makes money, like starting a business, or mm -hmm. it could be something that's just in your home, like really getting into yeah. cooking and yeah. making really high quality meals yeah. for your family. So your blue flame, it's just anything that you create that you create with love to share with whoever God sends into your life. And and so I would say that when you use your blue flame, 
It makes life exciting. It makes you more you. But I would say it is also an act of selflessness, even though it feels self-full, as you say, because it it fills you up so much. It makes your life so exciting. And yet it's also selfless at the same time because it requires that you set aside your ego Mm -hmm. and that you serve and that you Mm -hmm. do what you're called to do. Mm -hmm. And so it's this beautiful thing where you are serving and loving even while you are feeling so filled up and just like you are absolutely your best self and you're full of self-care and and all of that. It's a beautiful system. Oh, it really is. And I, you know, you and I are, are both passionate about this. And as I know, I know, and I know that, you know, because we're surrounded by our peers and it's people who have lost their identity within the identity of their children or their families or, and yes, that is a very significant part of me my family and this, in this motherhood that I'm so blessed, you know, to be able to, you know, try to do to the best of my ability. But the thing that makes me the best at it is remembering who God made me to be and knowing that there is something in you. And, and I love that you make the, the distinction that it doesn't have to be this big moneymaker. It doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be on a stage. Take the picture, hike in the woods, throw the football, solve the puzzle, lead the meeting, solve the problem, whatever. But there is something that just fills you up. I love um, the question of what would you lose sleep for? You know, what is, I mean, besides TikTok, right? (laughs) I like that. But what's the thing that would, um, you know, kind of make you lose track of time or, or forget to eat or, you know, the, the thing. Yeah. And also Allison, per, per this, you brought up something really important that so many of our peers feel like they've lost themselves. And unfortunately they feel like that's virtuous. This idea right. that I, I have no life for myself. I never carve out time to use my blue flame. I never, I think it's selfish or bad or something to explore who I really am. I think that would be too prideful. All those mentalities. And yet then we turn around and tell our kids to discern their calling in life yes, and be their best right. selves and be who they were meant to be. It's like, well, well, wait a minute. You're not modeling that. And as we know, there are a lot of studies that your kids tend to turn out like what you have modeled for them, not Absolutely. what you told them to do. Absolutely. So if you have lost yourself and you think you're a bad person, if you go try to find yourself and use your blue flame, guess what? That's what your kids are going to end yes. up doing too. Yes. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was, um, that introduction got deep pretty quick. We were like, <laughs> you know, supposed to just be shooting the breeze. <laughs> um, so Jen, this is forever this is a lifetime ago, but a long time ago, I moved to College Station and I, well, let's even back up a little bit further. I was keeping a blog as a baby book and this is, you know, circa, I don't know, 2008, but I think a lot of people kept blogs because they wrote, well, I wrote because I kept a blog. And so it was this rhythm in my life, there was this discipline that kept me returning to this space over and over and over again. And it, became somewhat of a blue flame. Like I started to really recognize myself in it. I was, would, you know, steal moments to try to do it well. Um, and, and so I started writing and then because it was circa 2008 and 40 people were following, I thought, well, I should write a book. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like, the fame. I have to do something with this. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but I did, I, in, in little grabbed moments during nap time or, um, while breastfeeding, I henpecked out a book. And as I moved to College Station, I was a convert um, to Catholicism. I was becoming a mother of a big family and I was writing. And 
person after person would say, do you know Jen Fulweiler? Do you know Jen Fulweiler? Do you know Jen Fulweiler? And I'm like, listen, you're the 11th person that's asked me that. So I guess I should. So I, I look you up. I fall in love immediately. Of course, I, I, I send a DM and you and I actually had a couple of exchanges many, many moons ago. No, wait, wait. DM on what platform? On the blogging Who platform? What, how did, I don't know. I think was it maybe email? I, yeah. I don't know. What yeah, was your I, blog called? Oh, uh, no, you wouldn't have known that. Because that was, it was like runneth out. My, I don't know. It was something very okay. Christian woman cheesy. Oh, Anyways, that's incredible. That's but, so cool. Yes, it is so cool. And we did. We exchanged like a couple of words. You were very friendly and polite. But then now flash forward and here we are. Here I we just, are. Isn't I know. So, isn't it great? <laughs> So I've just, this really, it means a lot to me to finally, um, not just meet up with you professionally because I've been to a show, but to also kind of, um, think about back then and thinking what I thought I knew of you. And then to see that that's true and to really develop a friendship. I'm just, I'm really, really grateful. It is so exciting. And I, I just have to jump in and say, um, I just noticed this mug I've been drinking from has bad words on it. Oh. I was so busy with like getting my kids out the door this morning. I didn't know what mug I grabbed. Well, so so uh, when I your mean, team edits this, uh, I will now I will cover the mug with my hand next time I drink out of it. I don't but know. But for any previous shots of me drinking from the mug. Yeah. We're all I'm zooming sorry. in now, Jen. It would have flown right past us. But no. <laughs> okay. This is so – one of my comedy friends gave me – the mug as like an encouragement. And I did not realize that's the one I grabbed. So yeah, sorry if I've scandalized you. Okay. L- well, listen, the people listening are, are going to die. So you just have to, you have to tell us now. We'll bleed. Okay. What is, oh, what is well, Do you want to see it? Yes. Yeah. We need okay. to. Okay. So it, so here, here's the mug. Um, uh-huh. It says. Oh, uh, it's psh- a- oh uh-huh. okay. It keeps yeah. going. I see. Okay. So first I see bad. She's twirling. Okay. So I yeah. see bad and then I see ass and then she keeps going and it does in fact say bitch. Okay. So we yeah. are But But, but of- I was holding it in a way that you just see the last two words, which is so weird. <laughs> um, it's, I, I'm, so, I'm destroying your podcast. I am so sorry. Um, so yeah, this is, this is my life that here, you we know are. what, this is like a perfect tableau of what it's like to mm-hmm. be a mom in comedy that one of yeah. my comedy friends gave it to me. But yeah. now we're trying to have a wholesome mom conversation. But here I am with my scandalous mug. And the worlds are colliding and we're all here for it. I love it. Um, okay. So Jen, uh, speaking of of worlds colliding, you we have just a lot of things that line up pretty well. Um, I have heard you call yourself an atheist. Okay. Um, Previously, not now. Yes. No, I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you for that little tiny clarification. Um, (laughs) Yes. So um, a former atheist. And I would like to know exactly what this means for you, because I think there's a spectrum. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. was there a very formal rejection? Were you someone who you just didn't think was necessarily God's type? Um, Were you, were you, were you raised in a culturally Christian family? I want to know how far the leap was, Jen. I'm dramatic. I was all, I was all the way as far to the atheist spectrum as you could be. Uh, I was an atheist from childhood. My dad was an atheist. Um, my my mom wasn't as much, but she just didn't talk about religion. 
but so my dad was a, a big atheist. And mm. so he very specifically raised me that there is nothing spiritual. There is nothing else out there. It's a strict atheist materialist worldview, meaning there's nothing else. It is the material world and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that I was raised that way. Um, I mean, from being a baby, I did not wonder if God exists. Yeah. Uh, I never prayed as a child. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know who Jesus was exactly. Uh, I remember I was in uh, late high school or college. I did not know what Easter celebrated. I, di- I didn't know what okay. that word meant. Yeah. Wow. I thought in it college. was just a, that it's like in the spring and you get together with your family. I, I didn't know that there was a cultural meaning to it. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember at some point, when I, so I, I started at A&M, but I graduated from UT. So I was in College Station, bunch of Christians there. And someone said something about Easter having something to do with the crucifixion or something like that. And I was like, well, that's a weird holiday to celebrate. And I was like, I, I can't understand you guys in your mythology. Yeah. Um, and I actually left a and I left College Station to go to UT only because it was too religious. That's the only reason that, yeah. that I left a and I was like, I can't be around these Christians. Wow. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I didn't know the our father i i mean i it sounded familiar probably at like a funeral or something i'd i'd heard it well, if you watch like the I, godfather or something yeah exactly yeah <laughs> but i didn't i didn't know it or anything until i mean i was like 26 and was not at all familiar with the our father i could i couldn't have told you any words beyond our father yeah wow so it's pretty that, yeah. yeah it is okay so and so something I mean, really transformative must have happened. I mean, when Christianity started sounding reasonable to you, were you appalled? Uh, it was a slow progression. I, it was. I okay. um yeah, I mean, I I was I was sort of exploring and and I was just reading books and it was just sort of one step at a time. It was like Did C.S. Lewis get to you too? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was C.S. <laughs> Lewis and it, it actually started with a Protestant guy Lee Strobel. He mm-hmm. wrote a really good book called The Case for Christ. Yeah, yeah. And I always tell people when people hear that they're like oh, I'm going to go buy that for my atheist son and then he won't be atheist anymore. Mm. You have to understand, I was in a place of readiness. I had had my first child and that really made me Mm -hmm. ask some big questions about whether atheism was true. I mean, I could have read that same book a year before and it would have had zero impact on me, but I was in a place of openness. And so the case for Christ kind of got me thinking. And then, um, yeah, and then I got it. I mean, mere Christianity was like, boom you know i it was yeah. that that really that really hit me yeah you know it's interesting that i feel like so many people want to strong arm you know some argument or or some people's emotions if i could just make you feel this when the truth is we can't argue anyone into an encounter with christ right you know exactly. and so so there's there's gentle ways you know to lead or or questions to ask i remember i was walking with um a friend who didn't believe a dear, dear, lovely soul. I love her so much. And we were walking and, um, and she, (laughs) she almost kind of threw her hands up in the air in frustration and was like, I don't, I just don't get it. Like how, how do you believe? And I, I just, I wanted to, I really felt her frustration alongside her. Like I understood that how frustrating it was for her that there's, you know, she's surrounded by these kind people that don't seem to be asking difficult questions and, you know, she just couldn't make it work for her. And I, it was one of those things where it was like, you know how when you walk outside and the, and the, the weather's really nice and there's not a cloud in the sky and it's easy to breathe and you just had a, like a, maybe a sweet moment with your husband that morning and your kids are all clean or something. I don't know, but it's like these things when they're all right in their place, like, yeah. who do you, who do you think? 
You know, for me, it was like this moment of gratitude. And I think motherhood can really do that too. Just the, there's a tenderness that comes along with motherhood. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was about love. I, I just thought, you know, I think the love that I feel for this child and that has come into my family since he was born, I think it comes from somewhere. I think it has yeah. a source. Or, and that, that, was yeah. a, that was the big thing that got me thinking. Hmm, that's really beautiful. And so when you did decide to become a Christian, you became a Catholic Christian. Yeah. And when you became a Catholic Christian, I, this cracks me up when you say it, but, um, the, the Catholics, the, the cussers, the drinkers and the irresponsible family planners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the stereotype. And well, and by the way, my husband converted at the same time I did. And so I'd been atheist and gift, he was a very non-practicing Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing that he and I had in common in terms of religion is that we were both anti-Catholic. <laughs> that is the only view that we shared on religion going into our marriage. And yet when you became Catholic, you like went all in, Jen. You, you went all in. So I would love to know something that you love about your faith or your tradition or your home, your faith life, however you you know incorporate um, your religion into your family. What's something you love about the Catholic faith? One of the things I love about it is that you can still do it even when you're a disaster. I mean, Mm. obviously, being raised atheist, you know, old habits die hard. The idea of having a relationship with Jesus and having all these like, you know, warm feelings about God and all that, that does not come easily for me. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I still have moments of... Like, I wouldn't say doubt in the sense I, I've never doubted that it's true. I just did too much research, you know, like mm. I feel very confident that this yeah. is true. But I do have moments of, I guess, what you would call spiritual dryness. That's sure. almost the norm for me. Yeah. And um, and I'm so grateful for, you know, the Eucharist. As Catholics, we believe that we believe in the real presence, that God is really there. So you are having a physical encounter with God even when you can't get there emotionally, it's still mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. And like when you go to mass, it's not like the rah-rah tambourines, you know, you have to feel it. There's a laser light show. You're kind of expected to be crying. <laughs> I, I, a lot of my friends are, are Protestant and evangelical. And when I go to their uh, some of their events, it's very, everyone's very emotional. And I'm just standing there like a statue. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm like, should I raise my hands? I really don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not feeling mm-hmm. this. And uh, so I, I love that, that, you can, um, I, I don't want to say go through the motions like it's a bad thing because obviously I always aspire to have a better relationship with God. But yeah. when that's not there and yeah. I'm not feeling it, mm-hmm. I can still get just as much out of the mass because it's not, it, like emotion is yeah. not required to get mm-hmm. the full experience mm-hmm. out of our, out of what we do at yeah. church. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I, um, have struggled recently. Just, I, I feel like our whole world has collectively been through a lot and that has, that's taken its toll on me for certain. I feel like I've had all these grief responses and my faith life have, has certainly suffered. Uh, but one of the things that I'm loving is normalizing, um, the talk around doubt, the talk around mm-hmm. spiritual dryness. Um, and then looking back and, you know, being pulled back to scripture to see that, there were disciples that were like right there 
and it oh, says yeah. Mother Teresa. They doubted. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah. I mean, the disciples who watched him heal, who watched him, you know, do all these amazing things, and it says they doubted, and it says that some of them believed and some of them doubted, and there they were side by side, having witnessed the same things. Some of them believed, some of them doubted, and so I've taken that as my call to borrow faith from people when I need to, you know, and the Holy Spirit's going to work it out that we don't all doubt on the same day. Right. Like, right. (laughs) I love love, That's a great quote. That is a really good quote. So I'm going to borrow from you and you borrow from me and we'll just, we'll just take turns being the body. Um, okay. So Jen, I had, um, I had four kids in, in, in four years, no twins. And when that, I, when I mention that, like if I'm, you know, speaking or something, I have started to think of it as this little like information grenade. So it's like you throw it and then you wait, like, so you say the thing and then you wait and then there it is. It's the, (gasps) (laughs) oh yeah. When you, you have had six kids in eight years, no twins. Yeah. Correct. And when you say that at your shows, people are like actually losing consciousness. Like, like people are passing out. We're having to attend to the people because. Oh yeah. People can. Oh yeah. When I do comedy thing. in Austin, where people that they're surprised by that and they don't know who I am. Um, I mean, it's like they, they they're worried it's contagious. I mean, they, it's they freak out. <laughs> don't everybody bombard the exit, the fire exit? Yeah. Lots. It's like yeah. yelling fire in a theater. That's I know. It. Yeah. It's 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 an intense reaction every time. So tell us a little bit about your family planning. Was this the plan? Did you always want a big family? How? Uh, We used the, uh, there are different methods of natural family planning and we use the full Weiler guesstimation method, Uh which is not super reliable. It has an 80% uh, inaccuracy rate. (laughs) Uh, no, we I to be totally honest, like we we missed the NFP class because uh, we we were already married when we converted yeah. to Catholicism. But I really was convinced on the issue of contraception. And um, it, the other thing is, I, I in my second pregnancy, I was diagnosed with a very serious clotting disorder, and it caused a lot of problems because my blood is way more likely to pl- uh, clot when I'm pregnant. So I got a deep vein thrombosis in my second pregnancy. I had to give myself shots in the stomach every day with every subsequent pregnancy for the blood thinners. And then in the sixth pregnancy, they stopped working, which is really scary. And um, I got bilateral pulmonary embolisms. My lungs filled with blood clots. I should not have survived it. I mean, it is that the ER doctor was floored. He he was floored at how how many clots were in my lungs and how huge they were and the fact that I was still alive. He just couldn't believe it. So that was a disaster. um, And that is why that (laughs) that's our youngest child. And we still we didn't do sterilization. We we still we did the natural family planning thing to avoid pregnancy after that. We just had to like actually, you know, take it seriously after that. And um, so it was not an easy road, but I was convinced. And I I just came to the attitude. I don't believe in the dichotomy of planned versus unplanned pregnancy. Like to me, it just makes no sense because even if you're quote unquote trying, well, you don't know if it's going to happen oh, any given month. And, and contraception has a fairly high failure rate in terms of actual use. So I've just always looked at it like if you're engaging in the act that creates babies, you might get a baby and you shouldn't be surprised by that. So I just looked at it like, yeah, I mean, we'll 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 try to avoid if we feel overwhelmed, which we always did, or if we're broke, or if we have no health yeah, insurance, yeah. we'll try to avoid. But 
whatever. If a baby comes along, that's a gift and that's incredible and whatever, you know, yeah. that, that was, that was our attitude after we converted. So in raising a big family, what are some of your, by the way, I feel like, um, you and I share, I really value adventure. Um, yeah. I really value a great story and I want my life to be this great story. I want yeah. to show up to heaven spent and yeah, what, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> what yeah. better way to do that than to bring all these young people that you love yep. more than anything into the world. Will you tell us some of your favorite parts of motherhood, some of the most joyful things? Oh, I, I honestly don't even know where to begin. And I will say the fuel behind everything I do is that I feel like I dodged a bullet in the sense that I came from a culture where women were encouraged not to have kids. Kids were seen as a burden. Mm. I never planned to have kids. Interestingly, my parents did not plan to have kids. Somehow I know that I'm a contraception failure. Uh, my mom's IUD <laughs> failed. I don't know why I have this information. But how 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 poetic that I ended up becoming Catholic and having all oh these Oh my gosh. Kids. Wait, are you an only child? Yeah. Me too! Oh, I didn't know that. No way. I knew oh, that. Oh, that's incredible. Forgot. High five, virtual high five. I know it. I knew that about you and forgot. I knew that we that's, had one more thing. Okay. Yes. That's have- incredible. Okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're both only children mm-hmm. raising mm-hmm. these f- big families. My husband is an only child. So my kids oh, won't have cousins uh-huh. or aunts or too, uncles no. okay. or anything. Um. So uh, I, I don't even know where to begin. It's like I, it's like we just have this really fun squad. And I see that, you know, we see that on your social media, that it seems like your family has fun together, genuinely. And our family is the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I will say, by the way, I'm not much of a baby toddler person. Uh Um, My kids were adorable. I loved them to pieces. Yeah. Uh, But that was a very hard time for me when they were little, because Mm -hmm. I am not someone who is called to work with babies and toddlers Mm -hmm. in any way. Mm-hmm. So I cannot say that I looked forward to every day when they were little because that I I have the polar opposite temp- temperament of what you need to be good with mm-hmm. babies and toddlers. Mm-hmm. However, once they get older, man, I'm in the zone. I mean, this yeah. is my thing. Like yeah. teen problems, all the and we've had plenty of problems that yeah. comes with teens. Yeah. It has not been a walk in the park. We've had we've had yeah. very very serious issues. Yeah, whatever. I will take that over screaming toddler meltdowns any day. So I I think just the fact that I walk into my house and I look around, my kids are ages 18 down to nine. And I say, I like these people. Like they are fun. We are having fun and they are as crazy as I and my husband are. And it's, I get, you know, I, I think especially being an only child, it's like, Wow, I finally have a squad. I have a team. We are doing life Mm -hmm. together. And even our hard times, you know, like my dad died suddenly in the middle of my first comedy tour, but I had my team to Mm -hmm. go through that with me. I had Mm -hmm. my kids were grieving as much as I was because they were super close to him too. Mm -hmm. And so the good times are better. The bad times are better. Just everything is better when you're doing it with your team. Gosh, yes. I, one of the... We do not have a perfect family. We do not have a perfect home, but we, I think we laugh in it more than we do yeah. anything else. Yeah. And I yeah. just, to me, there is something about a shared 
um, experience with my kids that we both find hilarious that because I just value I value adventure and I value laughter and to me that shared experience it's like the sky's part I just yeah, yeah. it is like this little like hallelujah moment of like thank you thank you thank yes. you thank you I feel so yes. great and, and to also I think that that is a really good point of I always longed for that um yeah. I there's so many things I love about being an only child so many of the things that I like about myself I even attribute to um being an only child and, yeah, and yet I've really really crave um the chaos really. Right. Yeah. The chaos. I know. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So I feel like having a huge family is, is a counter cultural phenomenon, right. In America. I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot of of that going on. Um, and so having a big family and being a, a professional is pretty counter cultural in that counter cultural subculture. Right. So it's oh, like, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. fine. You have a big family. That's a little weird. But if you have a big family, then you are probably, um, there's probably a pretty neat and tidy stereotype for you that oh, yeah. you are like knees and elbows busting down all over the place. Oh, yeah. And, um, I, I love that we started this off talking about blue flame because you have, said, yes, that's, that's me. And yes, that's a big part of me. And yes, that's going to get a lot of me, but that does not define me. So can you tell us a little bit about your own personal blue flame and how you, um, recognized that and allowed yourself to chase it? Yeah. And I think your, your blue flames can change Mm -hmm. over the years. In in the book I wrote about it, I was talking about how my grandfather was an engineer, and that really was his blue flame, not just the he built refineries, but managing people and being a mentor and really taking care of them on a personal level. Um, but he had a massive heart attack that almost took his life. Uh, and then shortly after that, he ate some some bad food and got uh, hepatitis from food. Oh and between those two things, he, j- he was forced into early retirement. Hmm. And then he ended up becoming an incredible self-taught chef. And this was all before I was born. So I only knew my grandfather the chef. And he was, Allison, he was extraordinary. He lived to age 100. He was cooking gourmet meals for us up to age 98. I mean, unbelievable. He he would, at 97, he did this massive catered lunch for my mom. Like it was unbelievable. Um, Yeah. So cool. So first of all, I should say your blue flame can change. It's not like, you know, you just have one if some, if some door closes, but um, I just realized it's same, same as you. When I discovered blogging, I love words. That's that's my thing. Uh, I think also because of my childhood, uh, this is an example of maybe something that, you know, the not great parts of life, uh, it really good things come out of them. Um, I was an only child and we moved a lot and I was always kind of the ugly duckling, like bullied kid. I didn't have friends. I spent so many years of my childhood very alone. You know, both my parents worked. I was a latchkey kid. So I just go home alone and I had no friends. Um, and this is before cell phones, you know, I couldn't like yeah. get on TikTok. Yeah. And so, I mean, what do you do when you're in that situation? Well, I did a whole lot of, well, first of all, I did just watch TV all the time. So I, I was, it, this wasn't Lots some of like threes company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, all, all of the 80 shows I've seen every episode more than once. Cause I would just sit there and watch TV. But when I finally got bored of the television, I would read and I would write and it really gives me a thrill to, and I, I also tend to um, kind of live in my head, uh, which is a downside. That is, that's a, it's something I need to work on. It's not always great. Yeah. But 
uh, the the positive side of it is, um, boy, do I have a lot of thoughts. I think I have yeah. a thousand X more thoughts than other people because mm. I tend to live in my head. Mm-hmm. And I love taking them and putting them in writing. And so when I started doing that on my blog, it, it, like you, you know, I had my 40 fans and I was like, I'm famous. This is incredible. And I, and I, I also realized that uh, the idea of gathering an audience was for me. Uh, a lot of people, especially in the Christian world, in the Catholic world, they struggle with that idea. Like, am I being mm-hmm. worldly? Is yeah. This is pride. Yeah. Right, uh, right. Well, let me tell you, uh, gathering an audience is the most humbling, miserable experience you will ever go through. I mean, you want, you, we, as Catholics, we have the prayer, the litany of humility. Guys, my life is the litany of humility. <laughs> let me tell you. You've got haters. You've got the pressure to keep it up, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah. if anyone has ever felt that call to sort of put themselves out there and gather an audience. I think it's from God and I don't think it's pride because I know you know, Allison, nothing will humble you faster. Like there's no pride in anyone who has a public presence. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started to think, you know, I think this is kind of for me to have more of a, like sharing my story publicly, being a witness to to what I learned. And like I said earlier, I feel like I dodged a bullet that um, I... uh, I almost didn't have kids that I that is I thought that I was going to live some very secular life where you find happiness by isolating yourself from everyone, having no obligations to anyone. And it literally makes me nauseated when I imagine myself going that route. And again, not because it was some call and what was meant for me, but just because I bought into stupid secular ideas about what leads to happiness. And it it chills me so much that I almost went down that path. That my whole public presence, starting with the blog and going and then radio and then now into comedy and writing books and all that, really, it's all just been, if I can save one young woman from the fate that almost befell me, isolating herself and avoiding family because she thinks that's what leads to happiness, then Mm. my whole mission has been worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, So women um, chasing flames. And becoming fully themselves and knocking down stereotypes. These things make people feel things. Yeah. I, <laughs> I know you know that. And and so I would imagine that you have had to develop a pretty thick skin uh, when it comes to haters uh, who think that you should be doing other things. Um, how does criticism affect you? How do you stay healthy with a really big platform and a lot of opinions surrounding what you're doing? I, uh, this is another example of when you go through something hard, look for ways that God is going to bring good out of it because he will. Um, I was just bullied so much and so badly that I, I just, the idea, I, I, I mean, I was 15 when I stopped caring what people think about me. And yeah. and like someone saying something on the internet is not the same as five kids at my horrible junior high um, cornering me and saying they were going to stab me to death because I was so ugly and like they were a rough crowd. So I thought they might do it. When you've been through that, it's just like, I don't care what some anonymous account on the internet or I, I mean, I've had like former friends go on their Instagram and like write nasty stuff about me. I mean, it's, it's, you know, that's discouraging, but it's, it's nothing. It's, it's nothing like, um, you know, that what I went through when I was younger. And, and I think the people listening can think of that too. I mean, I'm sure everyone has gone through something hard in life and God will use it towards your blue flame. He'll use it towards your mission. 
And um, so for me, that was a very natural and normal state uh, from the moment I started my first blog. I mean, I actually back when I was an atheist, I had I had websites, too. And um, so, yeah, I, I, that was a natural and normal state for me to just not care because I'm used yeah. to it. Like people having nasty opinions about me. Like I'm just, I'm, that's, that's my life. Like yeah. I, that's a Tuesday for me, you know? I, um, I feel I'm, I'm a little tender right now. I think it's just after the holidays and I don't know, my anxiety is a little high right now. Not like specifically in this moment, but I'm just, I'm more emotional, um, the last couple of days than I, than I operate, but like, I feel rage. I feel rage about people who bullied you when you were young. I'd like some names. Um, I feel rage about um, friends. who, I, Whoever you are, if you're listening, because you probably hate follow her. They might be, actually. Listen, <laughs> listen, you need to deal with me too then, okay? We have a problem. <laughs> I, I feel I... Um, I, I think that it's it's pretty common that people's talent can take them places where their character... Um, can't follow you know it's like um yeah we're, yeah, we're, yeah you know yeah. Their, their talent yeah. can that's, outpace oh, that's a great their phrase. character and oh, you wow, have had yeah. to really um work on yourself as yeah. your platform has grown to see this clearly you have yeah. had to get so in touch with who you are and who your God is and the difference in between and the difference in between you know um y- y- taking risks you know, and, and that's the thing. We kind of had something go wonky on, on TikTok um, a week ago. And so we've been we've been dealing with a lot, too. But um, I feel so steadied by my real life community, the people mm-hmm. who know me in real life. It doesn't mean that I couldn't have um, done something different or better. Um, it doesn't mean that I can't reflect on the feedback that I'm getting. Um, but it doesn't have to define me. You know, it can, it can maybe define a moment, but not my whole entire self. So, and yeah, and I think that rootedness that you described that you have a real life community, not just your family, but in person Mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. And, And I think what that ultimately extends from is in any work that you do, you cannot turn it into an idol. It cannot be your be all end all. And, and when you don't make it an idol, well, then it just comes naturally that, your work is just kind of over here. It's one part of your life. But your real life is laughing with your kids in the kitchen. Or for people who don't have kids, it's going to the the thing that you're running at the church, the Bible study, and gathering people and seeing the joy in their faces and yep. just realizing like, okay, what happens over here in this work that I'm trying to do? That's fine. And I'll work hard at it. But it is not my be all end all. That's right. And when I've seen people really start to go insane. And, you know, in the comedy industry, there are a lot of drug I'm use and, and things sure, like that. Yeah. And what goes into that is when it's your idol. All you care yep. about is whether yep. this thing works out. Well, yep. that's when you can end up in a really bad place and criticism starts to get to you. And mm-hmm. it's that's a that is not a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to watch, frankly. Someone. Yeah, who's, I know. Who's I know. Really we, grasping. And, and you can see it. I've seen yeah. it with some some uh, some people I follow. They sort of had mid-level success yeah. and I watched them blow up. Yeah. And I watched them start to spiral. An yeah. interesting observation, Allison. I've noticed when someone has hit fame, but they're starting to spiral. Mm-hmm. Very often they start wearing sunglasses indoors. Watch this pattern. You'll start to see it. They'll be on their podcast. They're like sitting in a studio like you and I are, but they'll have sunglasses on. That's always okay. a sign. I don't know Flag. why, but it's okay. always a sign 
that someone is spiraling. So Allison, if I ever like hit it massively big and I'm doing my media tour, but I'm wearing sunglasses indoors, you have to show up at my house right. and save yes. me. You, you have right. to like take Jen, away my phone, talk. shut That's down it. my social yes. media. It's time. Yeah. it's time, honey. Yeah, it's time. It's oh time. Cut my it, gosh. Jen. Cut I love it. it. Okay, so stand-up comedy. What in the world? <laughs> what in the world? That sounds so terrifying to me. And there's probably a part of you that it was terrifying for as well, but sometimes that like, you know, there's this certain level of excitement where you're like, is this the dumbest thing I've ever done or the holiest? You know, it's yeah, always like yeah. that place yeah. where I'm like, oh, I think this is the right place. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So stand up comedy. How did you, how did you like trip into that? What in the world? Okay. So I had, I'd noticed way going back to my blog days that what I always got complimented on is people said, you make me laugh and and therefore you ease my burden. So I just had so many moms back in the blogging days saying, I'm struggling. We just had a baby. It was diagnosed with special needs. I'm having a very hard time. Yeah. And like I would. So at the time we had a really bad scorpion infestation in my house. In general, my blog was kind of serious reflections on faith. And I really thought I was like, man, I'm just this is this is so deep and it's so profound. Those posts wouldn't really do that well. Then I would flip out about a scorpion being uh-huh. uh, in my house uh-huh. and and it would it would go viral. I mean, it, it would get yeah. a lot of traction. And then I saw when I uh, and then in my books, you know, whenever I used humor, I got complimented on that. Mm-hmm. Books led me to radio and I, I did two hour solo daily national show. So every weekday it was two hours. And um, I tried not to overuse guests and calls. So it was a lot of me talking yeah. and I would just riff and try to be funny and people started calling in and saying, this is stand-up. You're, you're doing stand-up. <sighs> and I thought, well, I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do stand-up, but I try to, you know, I think humor eases people's burdens. And then I started looking at the comedy industry and I realized that I enjoyed watching stand-up comedy, but so much of it is um, extremely vulgar, which I'll yeah. be honest, Allison, I don't mind. I mean, some of the comics yeah. that I follow, they're, they're not keeping yeah. it clean all the time. I don't yeah. judge that. I have no problem with that. Yeah. However, there's no diversity. It's like, that's yeah. all that's out there. The other thing is, is oddly enough, it is so in comedy, there's a known thing that some topics are hack. For example, airline food. Nobody makes jokes about airline food anymore because you would, people in the comedy industry would be like, you don't know what you're doing. You're an amateur. That's yeah. hack. Nobody makes those jokes anymore. Got it. Um, okay. Anti-Catholic jokes are becoming hack because they are so common. I mean, when I go up on shows in Austin, I'm I'm not exaggerating. I can't remember the last time that I was at a show and some comic didn't trash the Catholic church. I mean, it was like yeah. wow. insane. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so anyway, it, it that I, I was just like, I, comedy really does relieve burdens, but I just can't find anyone who is speaking to my perspective, yeah. who is not, you know, openly anti-Catholic and trashing my religion or, or that I could share this with. Because honestly, right. there were a couple that I'm like, OK, this is so funny, but it's so filthy. Yeah. I, I don't know anyone who I could send this to who I think they'd be OK with what this person's talking right, about. Right. And so that just got it got me thinking. And then. It was this very kind of sudden, I, I really believe it was a call from God. It was very sudden. It was one day. And um, it was like stand-up comedy. This is it. This is what you're doing. And, I, and I've never looked back. And that was years ago. And <sighs> it, it, I, it, was really, it was really a like day before and day after thing that God just told me to go into stand-up comedy. 
and and I have never looked back from <sighs> that moment. And and again, part of my mission is I want this worldview of saying you can be wild and crazy and spontaneous and have adventure and have fun and have kids and have a lot of kids for that matter. Yeah. And I want that witness out there. And I think the way that God is calling me to do it is through comedy. And then it, it also relieves people's burdens. When I, a friend of mine, um, she has uh, two kids with special needs and they're very severe and it requires round the clock care and her life is very hard. And when I think about quitting, I think, well, if I quit, who's going to do a comedy special for her? Because she's mm -hmm. a devout believer. Yeah, she's, mm -hmm. she's not uptight. She's not a prude. But she doesn't want to hear about the most vulgar sex, you know, sexual content you can possibly imagine. And yeah. literally every other word is the F word. I mean, mm -hmm. she's not a prude and she wouldn't judge a comic who did that. But that's also just it's just not what she wants at, at the end of the day. And so I thought, yeah, I mean, if I if I quit, who is going to do the comedy special? that relieves her burdens. Hmm. So that that's wow. that was the call and that's why I do it. Uh, I love it so much. There's something so thrilling to me about watching someone run in their lane. You know, yeah. it's like there's like this certain kind of sprint that's like, yeah. I don't know, I'm not a runner, so I can only guess at what it, <laughs> what it feels I. like. But it's like <laughs> that long stride, you know, and it's like your lungs feel really capable, but like you are just sprinting and it is so so much fun to watch. I have one more question just because I'm genuinely curious. And then I'd like to know something that you're hopeful for. Um, but do you, what guidelines do you use for writing jokes? I know that like punching up versus punching down is, you know, probably a general rule of thumb when it comes to making people laugh. But like what, what, what strategies do you use? How do you create? What's your, what's your process? You know, I, I really have to, I just sort of scan my mind for where there is tension because comedy is ultimately about tension. If uh -huh. there's no tension, there's nothing funny. So I tend to go through my life and just think, where is there tension? That's pretty easy since I don't yeah, have a right. temperament for running, you know, a household. <laughs> so I, I just think, where's their tension? Where's their tension? And, and yeah, and then in terms if there's of the tension material, for you, there's likely tension for other people too, oh, right. right? I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. this is shared. Right. And I um, I try to keep it clean in the sense that, I mean, you've talked to me off the air, you know, I, I don't use perfectly clean language in, in real life, but I do on stage because I want you to be yeah. able to invite anyone. I want mm -hmm. it to be a community building yeah. experience. Yeah. And actually, wait, can I tell you something that it, I haven't told anyone else? So this is like a big <laughs> reveal on your podcast. Okay. The Cap City Comedy Club in Austin, Texas, one of the most respected comedy clubs literally in the world. Anyone in comedy would say it's top five. Like, that's not even in question. Yeah. I have pitched to them that they need to do a cleaner comedy night that where, you know, you book comics that are like clean. And so so it's community building. You can yes. invite anyone. It's yes. high quality comedy. Yeah. High quality. But not going filthy. Allison, they gave me the show. No. I can book whoever I want. I can perform, yes, like, and it's my show. And like, it's at Cap City Freaking Comedy Club. We're calling it Primetime Comedy Night. They let me name it that I, <gasps> I have full control. They're literally just like giving me the space. They're, they have been unbelievably cool about it, Allison. Stop they're like, it! Yes, they're like, Jen, whatever you want to do, you call it what you want, you book who you want. It's Stop. my show. I have chills so finally, all over. I, and I'm being so evangelical about it because I'm telling anyone who will listen, 
this comedy relieves burdens when people are having a hard time. Just simply laughing is one of the ways yes. to feel better. And I have, so I have a neighbor who is elderly. She doesn't have a lot of chances to get out. And one day she said to me, she said, gosh, Jenna, you know, since my husband died, I, I haven't, I haven't been like a, you know, night out on the town and in, in a year, I, gosh, I'd love to go out with you. And, and I love comedy. I'd love to see some comedy. And I, Allison, I almost started crying because I was like, right. I can't think of a single show to take her to because they're all so filthy. And I was like, God, let me fix this. Give me a show and I will make a show that you can bring your brother who's a diehard comedy fan, but also your elderly neighbor who could use a night out. You can bring her too. And I got that show. The first one is January 25th at Cap City Comedy Club in Austin. Stop. And, and then we'll do more after that. But I'm just. January 25th. Yes. Mm. I, you should be there, Allison. You yeah. should come. Um, it's super, super. It's so meaningful to me because I, I just believe that clean comedy unites. And I believe in diversity in the industry because currently it's like only filthy material. 99% of live comedy is very, very filthy. And so it, I, we just need a little bit of balance there. We need yeah. some clean shows in the live yeah. comedy industry. And I'm doing it. And I just could not be more thrilled. I could not be more thrilled with you and for you. I am so proud of you. I'm so grateful for you. You're blazing trails. We are all here for it. I, gosh, this was such an honor. Thank you for sharing that um, here. Um, we'll talk later about how much I can. Yes you yeah. know, help you promote or whatever. But um, is there something that you're hopeful for in 2023? Yes, I am hopeful. It sort of relates to this. Um, I just spent two years in the absolute trenches, uh, quitting my job at SiriusXM, yeah. which provided benefits for my whole family in the yeah. middle of a pandemic. And I, I quit to do stand-up comedy touring. And so uh, that was a very hard time. I almost quit so many times. It was more like a daily habit, me almost quitting. I mean, I, yeah. I cannot emphasize how close I came to quitting and how many times that happened. Yeah. And I also, I made some big changes. Another thing I have not said publicly, you're getting a lot of reveals on your podcast. <laughs> I got on a very low dose of, of antidepressants, mm -hmm. uh, which I'd never done before. I was very yeah. against that. Yeah. But it, it actually was not for depression. Oddly enough, I was having all these crazy food cravings. I thought it was a serotonin imbalance. So I'm on like the lowest dose. I could stop taking it tomorrow and I wouldn't have any withdrawal. Yeah. But that little tiny dose has just helped me yeah. be more intentional about my thoughts. Like it's not that it, you know, turned me into a happy person. I'm still, yeah. you know, cynical or whatever. But um, but it did, it has allowed me to control my thoughts and like be the person I want to be. Yeah. So all that is to say, I I survived almost quitting a thousand times. Yeah, you did. I, I did I did some big scary steps. Honestly, starting on that was one of the scariest things I've ever done because I was so against that kind of thing. And um and so I am hopeful that a lot of really cool things are going to happen for me and my family that I, I passed the test. <laughs> yeah. I didn't quit and yeah. I got therapy and I did the hard thing. And so what I want to share is I just sense that a lot of people are in that place right now. I think that a lot of us don't even realize that we are still dealing with the PTSD and the after effects yeah. of quarantine yeah. and all of that. We think it's over, but I think mm -hmm. just psychologically. Mm -hmm. There is still some residual stuff happening. I know people yeah. who are, they're actually hitting financial hard times now that really kind of started in late 2020. Sure. So I, I just want to say to anyone listening, what I am hopeful for 
is that we're not going to quit. You're not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Whoever's listening is not going to quit. And our faithfulness is going to be rewarded. I think that 2023, not just for me and not just for you, but for everyone listening, is going to be a season of reaping what we have sowed. We've done the hard thing. We put in the hard work. Mm -hmm. And I think that 2023 is a year of harvest of of whatever you did with your blue flame, whatever you didn't quit on, or Mm. if you quit that you'll get back to it. Yeah. Uh, You know, get start that thing up again. Um, I just think it's it's a year of the hard work paying off, not just for me, for a lot of people. So I'm super hopeful about that. Gosh, thank you so much. That's just a beautiful place to end. Um, I'm really grateful for the ways that you model all of the the things that you preach. And um, it's really fun to watch. It's really inspiring. So I to call you a friend is is a really big honor, Jen. I'm really, really grateful for your influence in my life. And um, to me, you're doing some of the scariest things possible. And it makes me ask those questions like, what am I a little bit afraid of? What am I a little, you know, what's that, what's that, that, that tense place of, um, you know, holy or foolish, holy or foolish. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell right. us, <laughs> know, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> tell us where to follow. Tell us what things to buy. Tell us where to subscribe. Tell us all the things. Yes. Okay. Uh, Instagram is kind of, it's one of my favorite places to hang out. I am working on my TikTok, guys. I'm getting <laughs> Allison. She's helping me yes. right now. Kind of my main thing is Instagram. I'm on the Instagram stories all the time and all that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Jennifer Fullweiler is my handle over there. I know you can't spell Fullweiler, but if you can get the F-U-L, then it should, I it's should true. pop up. This is Jennifer 100% Fulweiler. true. I've been spelling it wrong for years, but yeah. It, yeah. yeah. It, Google My maiden name you. was Bishop, much easier. So yeah. I, I still That's struggle true. with having a hard to spell <laughs> last name. Um, And my website, the, uh, it's, it, you know what? It really needs to be updated, but it will be updated soon. Uh, J fcomedytour.com. That's where I have links to shows. I mean, links to my social media, how you contact me, all of that. So everything is at jfcomedytour.com and follow me on Instagram as well. Yes. Please grab tickets. The next time Jen is performing, grab tickets, grab a gaggle of girls. It doesn't even, actually, no, girls, men, women, children I mean bring men everybody tend to like my it's, comedy I will say totally. I get a lot of compliments from the husbands yes show up. yes yeah. 100% my husband and I had a blast so gather a group and go follow along on Instagram go buy some books um anyone that comes on that's an author I'm like buy multiple copies so that you have these things as gifts to give people it's such a thoughtful nice. gift, I think. oh yeah that's so, yeah they can search for my name on Amazon as well yeah yes. I've got I've got three books one about my conversion uh, and then, uh, so it was a memoir about my conversion. My second book was a memoir about how I wrote that book. So it was a memoir about writing a memoir, <laughs> but it's really about how to balance what you're yes. doing, what you love with kids. And my third is about how you can do it too. You can find all those books. Just search for, I, I use my full name, Jennifer on uh, Amazon. So Jennifer Fullweiler on Amazon. Yes. Okay. You will not be sad that you purchased any of those. I, you have made my day. I'm going to just, <laughs> I know float. this is, I'm such a big <laughs> fan, Allison. I'm Aww. so grateful for our friendship. This is incredible. Same. And uh, I can't wait to hang out with you in person too. Yeah, We're going to have I'll, so much fun. I'll see you Friday. Okay. Yeah, yay. Thank you so, so much, Jen. Thank you for your time. Have a great workout. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> see you. Bye. Sinners, saints, sisters, do you need a speaker for your event? Do you need someone to lead your retreat? 
It would be all my joy to serve and spread God's love to you and the people you gather with compassionate leadership, Bible-based teaching, authentic life stories, and a lot of laughter at heart. You can reach me at centersaintsister at gmail.com. Hello, Taylor Schroll. Hey, Allison. <laughs> okay, so I loved this episode with Jen Foiler because you know how sometimes you can kind of get an inkling. As I've like started to follow a little bit closer, I'm like, I think I'm going to like you. And then a conversation happens and you're like, and that's like set in stone. Yeah. So I feel like that happened. And then yesterday, we all got to hang out together yesterday. And then it was like even more like in stone. This is a real deal friendship and awesome relationship yeah, there were multiple moments yesterday because all you know, y'all were together working and i was just kind of hanging out yeah like i spent half the day like at your house but like laying on the sofa while your kid played video games talking totally. to him you know yeah. uh giving him some tips yeah exactly uh but like there were multiple times that y'all said it and there was multiple times that i thought it at, at different times I was like mm-hmm. it seems like y'all have been friends for years that y'all been working together for years y'all just yeah. hit it off so well and yeah. y'all were so courteous to one another it was, yeah it was fun it was great um i, I really loved this episode too so i know You and I argue about this sometimes. I feel like you are a very naturally funny person. And I feel like Jen is a very naturally funny person. I feel like I might have funny moments and they're usually on accident, you know? And so I really admire people that can be quick and humorous on the spot. Do you have any thoughts or wisdom around how I might be funnier? Oh, (laughs) I mean, now that I'm like in this relationship with you and now her, I feel like I kind of need to be at the top of my game with like being quick. It it was interesting. It's it's funny that most of our arguments do center around this topic of you saying you're not good at something when you actually are. Like you wouldn't be on my show if I didn't think you were funny. <laughs> that's kind of the whole stick of, of my show. I think I just tolerate you making fun of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, to be fair, a lot of it is at your expense. So there's not a lot of work there. But um, I, it was one of the things I saw with both of y'all yesterday is both of you were like very deferential and saying like, oh, you know, being very, very humble to the point of like, you're actually both better at, like she kept saying, I'm not a good actor. And you kept saying, oh, I'm not funny. And I'm like, yeah. You just you just acted in a funny totally. Like, I, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I see that. I <laughs> yeah, get yeah. that. Yeah. So I, I think I think a lot of it is the same kind of thing. Uh, I think you just have to let you just have to do it. Yeah. Because you can do it, and uh, the same way that like you started with when you started speaking, you were a writer yeah. first. Yeah. And then you were good at yeah, speaking, but you kind of held back. Right? Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So as someone who's kind of tiptoeing into comedy, um, what is some good advice to give a comedian? Like, are, are there any tricks of the trade? Tricks of the trade. Uh, I think a lot of it is uh, speed. <laughs> yeah, timing. <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting where a lot of people just, its got, that, that's how it happened for me. It was just being around sports growing up in high school. Yeah. It's like, who could say the funny thing first? Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's about quickness, right? So like Conan O'Brien, and I appreciate that. Conan O'Brien is the quickest, yeah. fastest comedian, right? Mm. But then you have people like Nate Bargatze, who thinks a little bit slower and mm. like, so his jokes are a little bit deeper, right? Okay. So there's there's jokes there for multiple people. I'm like a machine gun where I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and hoping that like three of the 12 yeah. hit, you know, yeah. where where uh, maybe Jen and like you're, with your preparing, it's yeah. like maybe you come up behind me and you're like, this is the... This is the bazooka shot. You know, yeah. like I, I've been preparing this and it's yeah. ready to go. And I'm ready yeah. to fire. So it's just, there's something for both people. I, I think I'm funnier on the spot than I am in like, I'm going to go do stand-up comedy, which is yeah. like 
something I know about me. I'm better with other people and playing off other right, people. Right, 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 right. In like, a conversation. Yeah, just be... standing there and be like, uh, hello. <laughs> Do you want to know my brand of comedy? It's um sitting next to the quiet person, the quiet, smart, funny person. And then when they like mumble a joke under their breath that no one heard, I just say it louder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my tactic. Stealing. (laughs) 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 All right. Thanks, Taylor. Bye. Well, there you have it. That is the end of season nine. Thank you so, so much to every guest who came on. I know that I am more healed and funnier and calmer and more thoughtful because of the wisdom that they gave us. Thank you so much to Taylor Schroll, who does so much behind the scenes to put out a good program. Thank you most especially to you, listener. Without you, there would be no reason for a show. I'm so glad that you tune in week after week. Um, Please, during this short, brief little time off, go back and listen to old episodes. Go back and check out other seasons. Please subscribe, share episodes with friends. In the meantime, time, you can catch me on Instagram at Allison M. Sully. You can catch us on TikTok at Sullivan Family TikTok. I co-host with Taylor on Forte Catholic, and it would be a pleasure to see all of you guys in those spaces as well. And season 10 is coming up quickly. We have a really great lineup planned for you guys. See ya. Today's show was a production of Allison Sullivan in conjunction with the Forte Catholic Podcast Network. For more great Catholic podcasts, head on over to ForteCatholic.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.